0: book of john if you would john chapter
1: 15 tonight john 15 verse 17 down through verse number 19 let's all stand as we read god's word tonight john 15 verse number 17 down through verse number 19 these things have i commanded you that ye love one another if the world hate you ye you know that it hated me before it hated you if ye were of the world the world would love his own but because ye are not of the world but i have chosen you out of the world therefore the world hateth you let's pray father tonight i thank you for the precious word of god that helps us and encourages us and lord it gives us insight into life and lord how we are to respond and Lord, why things happen the way they do. Father, I pray tonight that we as Christians would uh, understand the principles that we have here before us, and Lord, that it would help us to be strengthened and, Lord, to stand firmly for the cause of our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord, tonight. And, Lord, you're such a great and wonderful God. I thank you for all the many blessings you've given to us Father, we thank you for Jesus, and Lord, we want to lift him up. He's our Savior, our Lord, and our Master tonight. God, we just, we need Jesus to be in our hearts, ruling in him and through him. And Father, we thank you now in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. you, may be seated. Leonardo da Vinci had just begun his work on the Last Supper, but he had... Before he began, he had a violent argument with one of the fellow painters there. So Leonardo was so bitter, he determined to paint the face of Judas Iscariot first. And the one he thought, well, I know who I'm going to use as the model for Judas Iscariot. That's that painter that I disagreed with. He says, I will get my revenge on him. As people look up there and they see his face, it'll be forever. So he painted Judas Iscariot's face first. And people, as they looked at that, they could see it was this painter that had this disagreement with Leonardo da Vinci. The only problem was, As he continued to try to paint and paint the face of Jesus Christ, he just couldn't get it right. He was baffled. He tried over and over, and it just wouldn't come to him. How how could I paint the face of Christ? And finally, he came to the conclusion that the thing that caused him the greatest problem was that he painted the face of that person on Judas Iscariot. So he painted out the face of Judas, and then he was able to resume with that work with great success. You know, when Da Vinci moved past his right to take, aven- uh, take revenge and made it right and made the right response, he broke the power of hatred and allowed the love of Jesus Christ to flow through him. You know, hatred is a work, if you would, or a fruit of our flesh. Turn with me to Galatians. Keep your finger here in John, but go to Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 19. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 19. The apostle Paul here in this portion speaks about the works of the flesh or the, the things that are produced by our flesh. He says, now the works of the flesh the fruit, if you would, are manifest, which are these? Adultery. Adultery is a fruit of our flesh. Fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Un- that's That lasciviousness, like I said before, it's not a word that we use a lot, but in the Bible, uh, Bible terminology, simply what it means is this, is unbridled passion. We understand what that's about. If you like to eat, and you eat, and you eat, and you eat, and you just you cannot stop eating. That's unbridled passion. So there, it, it goes under a whole lot of different things. It, uh, as he's listing these different things, you can have all sorts of passion. You know, some people like to buy things. They just buy them. There was a lady in our church out in California. Every time she'd see one of those infomercials and says, this is what you should buy, she would order it right then. And uh, you'd go into her house, and uh, she was a sweet lady. But she'd go into the house, and she felt like she had to give you a gift before you left the house. And she'd open up her closet, and in her closet were all these info things. So I mean, if, you, if whatever it is that you needed or you thought you wanted, uh, you know, could use, she had to, let me give you this, you know, a, a potato peeler or something like this. You know, she had all these things. Let me give you something. i see, I don't need anything. Oh, yes, but you need one of these. You know, she'd give you something every time you went to visit her house. Well, she had unbridled passion. She, couldn't, she, she wouldn't stop herself. It's not that she couldn't stop herself. It's, it's she wouldn't. And so uh, lasciviousness is one of those things. Idolatry, witchcraft. Notice, hatred. Hatred. Variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. As you look at this, this point, hatred. Hatred is a fruit of our flesh. When we have hatred for people, First John puts it this way. In 1 John 3, it talks about the fact that if you have hatred for a person, you've already murdered them in your heart. That's where it starts. It's a fruit. If you just let that, that people that, that have a hatred for somebody, you let it just keep on going and festering and it will manifest itself in that regard. The child of God is to put away hatred and wrath in its place, we're to put on love. In fact, the fruit of the Spirit, if you look at verse 22 of the same chapter, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. John 13, verse 35, Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. He's talking to Christians. Christians ought to love one another. We ought to love one another. Look with me if you would. Not only are we to love one another, but in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, it says we're to love one. Our enemies as well. It's kind of easy to love those who love you, but the test of our faith and this new walk that Jesus has given to us, this new life, the life that we talked about this morning of, of walking in holiness, can't be done in the flesh. You'll, you'll fail. It can't be done by the power of God. And here in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43, it says, Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. That's what people would say. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Oh, that's easy. I'll just find out all my enemies and I'll hate them. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute persecute you. That, here's the purpose, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if ye love them that love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? The lost people? Don't lost people love the people that love them and hate the people that hate them? Well, yeah. And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven... Is perfect. We're to love our enemies. We are to love our enemies, but we're to hate their sin. As we love the Lord Jesus Christ and follow in his steps, we will find at times that we're rejected by those who are of the world. Some of those who will want to distance themselves from us are our old, unsaved friends. May I share with you that sometimes the ones who want to distance themselves from us are not only our old unsaved friends, but they're Christians who are carnal, walking in the flesh. We'll want to distance ourselves from them. The apostle Peter warned that believers of his day uh, warned the believers of his day that uh, this would happen. Look with me to First Peter chapter four, verse number one. First Peter chapter four and verse one. First Peter four. And verse number 1, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of your life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness. That's unbridled lust. That's how the world walks. Hey, it's not strange for the world to walk that way because they're lost. Their unbridled lust, their unbridled passion, lusts, excessive wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it's strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot speaking evil of you. Folks, when you get saved and you start walking with Jesus Christ, all of a sudden the world looks at you as being a strange person. There's something different. You're not doing what you used to do. You're no fun any longer. Well, Jesus Christ has given us new type of fun, to live for him, to enjoy what he's done. Likewise, Jesus wanted his disciples to know that that there would be those of the world which would uh, not like them and what they stood for. He started his public ministry by telling them that same principles in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 on the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Jesus starts off his, his talking about the Beatitudes there. People that are going to follow Jesus, the world are not going to love those people. In Luke chapter 6, verse 22, a parallel passage it says, blessed are ye when, uh, when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast you out, uh, cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake. You know, at the last of Jesus' public ministry, Jesus once again reminds the followers that they will not always be loved by the world. Christian, you're not going to always be loved by this old world. In John 15, verses 17 through 19, we find Jesus beginning the explanation of why. And I think it's important for us to understand it. It's good for us as believers to understand what Jesus is about to say. The same will happen to us in our time period as we grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The more that you are like the Lord Jesus Christ, the world will not understand you, nor will the world necessarily like you. The apostles lived uh, as examples for us, as did the Old Testament saints. We can gain wisdom from their lives. And the message tonight is entitled, Understanding Rejection. All of us, have been rejected for one reason or another, because maybe sometimes because of a decision we've made. But as a Christian, we need to understand rejection as far as this portion here, dealing with uh, standing for Jesus Christ. Christ, Why do people reject us? Why don't they want to hang around us? Why do they want to, to uh, leave us out, so to speak, of the things that they're doing? Well, first of all, as we look at this portion of Scripture, The believer is hated by the world because of his affiliation with Jesus Christ. Let me say that once again. The believer is hated by the world because of his affiliation with Jesus Christ. Let's go back to John chapter 15 and look at this portion. John chapter 15, verse number 17. Here, Jesus Christ is just getting ready to go to the cross this is part of what they classify as the upper room discourse. And uh, he's been speaking to the disciples, letting them know that they're getting ready, he's getting ready to die. And, and they understand, they're starting to understand a little bit of what he's talking about, that he's going to go away from them. That part they understood. They don't understand all that, you know, he's, he's talking about, he's going to go and, and you're going to be sorry. And, 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 but you, it's going to be for a little time and then you're going to have joy again. And it's like, what, what are you talking about? And so he's coming in this portion of scripture and explaining Uh, some principles here, and he says in verse number 17, notice what it says, These things I command you that ye love one another. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. One thing that we need to realize as Christians is that we need each other. As a Christian, we need each other. We need to support one another in our prayers. We need to lift up the hands of the feeble. The Bible says in Romans fifteen one, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. We ought to bear one another's uh, infirmities. Those that are strong ought to come alongside and help those who are weak. Well, Pastor, you know what? I'm really busy. I don't have the time to do that. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus, through the Apostle Paul, that a portion of Scripture is telling us we ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. We get so caught up oftentimes pleasing ourselves. We're to bear one another's burdens. Look with me to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. Galatians 6 and verse number 2. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 2. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are one, uh, uh, excuse me, um, yes, uh, I start with verse one, catching the context. Brethren, be uh, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Notice verse two: Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. When a person is carrying a load, don't just stand there and say, "Man, you got a heavy load there, bud." I understand. Man, if I had to carry that, that would be I'd see that's probably pretty, pretty heavy. Oh, by the way, see you later. I appreciate it so much, uh, the folk that helped to clean up over there today uh, after the things were all done. It's a blessing to bear one another's burden. Well, Pastor, you know what? I've got my things to do. I understand. We all have things to do, do we not? But can I tell you something? This is what we need to understand. That in all things, he might have the preeminence. The Lord ought to have preeminence in our life. His work ought to have preeminence. You say, well, pastor, I've got a little different mindset. I understand. And you need to read the Bible a little more. Because God's word says that in all things he might have the preeminence. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The kingdom of God its doing his will. It's living for him. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The number one responsibility for us as Christians, and I don't care where we are, is to seek first the kingdom of God, what Jesus wants us to do. That ought to be the first and foremost thought of our mind. What would please the Lord Jesus Christ? We're to bear one another's burdens we ought to especially love one another. It's a command of the Lord. Jesus said in John 13:34, "A new commandment I give you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also should love one another." John 15:12, "This is my commandment, that that ye love one another as I have loved you." Once again, the Lord Jesus reemphasizes the commandment in John 15:17, "These things I command you that ye love one another." I think he wants us to love one another. Love ought to be seen between brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, let me just stop right here. You say, Pastor, okay, I'm a guy. Comes up, and boy, he just throws his arms around the girl and starts, uh, starts uh, I'm going to give you a man. No, 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 no. no. It's good for a man not to touch a woman. Okay? Guy starts doing that. Can I tell you something? We need to learn what's appropriate and what's not. Hey, you can give him a handshake in love. Okay? How long are you going to hold on to that? You know, I've had to come up with some guys and some guys, they like ladies. They like that handshake, you know, that, that touch. And I had to come up and go, <clears throat> you say, why would you do that? Because folks, we have to be appropriate and people will need to understand what is appropriate. When we're in the world, the world doesn't understand appropriateness. We look at the world and what the world says is appropriate and people are laying all over everybody and out in public. That's not appropriate. Uh, so we need as Christians to set an example for, uh, of the love, how to love one another in the proper, proper way. Um, so it, it's important for us to understand those, these important principles here. Uh, we ought to love one another in Christ. Clicks are dangerous in the body of Christ. Hey, Pastor, what are you talking about? A click. Where you get a group of people together, maybe our four and no more. Well, You know what, we're content, we know each other, we're comfortable with one another. Hey, we don't want anybody to come in. We don't want anybody to rattle our cage. We don't want anybody to come into our group. We want to be who we are. Can I tell you something? That is death to a church. Cliques are death to a church. We become ingrown, and only uh, those that are within our group we treat in that special way. A Visitor comes in. Well, you're not part of our group, so you just you're, you're 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 not accepted. I praise the Lord for you folk because you folk have an attitude. When a person comes, as a visitor comes in, you go out of your way to go and help to make them know that they're wanted here. Doesn't matter. I mean, you say, "Pastor, got tattoos? Who cares? They're a soul for whom Christ died. It doesn't matter how fancy they dress or how how they don't." I have all the fancy things. That's not issue here. The issue is that we love the people of God, and we demonstrate that love one toward another. When I was growing up, a new family moved into our area, and uh, when they came over to play, they had developed a special code. And so when there was a group of us together, they would do things with their hands and speak with their hands, and the other person wouldn't understand what they were talking about, and they, they, would, they would laugh, but nobody else knew what in the world they were talking about, and they thought it was big. So my sister, my older sister, said, well, I'll tell you what, we're going to make a coat of ours. It would be just like that. Can I share with you? You know, I, I went along with it because I'm sitting there saying, okay, whatever. You know, who cares? You know, when you, make your, when you do this, this means uh, whatever. And so we did that. Can I tell you? Um, that idea of getting your own code so that you, we're special, it did not unite us. It divided us. It divided us. Clicks tend to divide rather than to unify. Each starts to develop uh, their own little group. Hey, we're a church family. We're a church family. Old and young. Some churches, you know what happens? They get into a church, and the young people do their thing, and the, the old people do their thing. See, I'm, not, I'm almost in that group, you know. The old people do their thing, and uh, then the, the people over here, they do their thing, and they never come together, and they're never, they, they don't do things together as a church. It's divided. I submit to you, you know what? We're a family. The body of Christ, a family together. Um. The Bible tells us in John 1.27, Only let your conversation be as becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, Paul says, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Oh, man, we love the Lord Jesus Christ, and we just want to serve him, and we want to love him, and we want uh, people to know that our Savior is alive and well. Praise the Lord. And we want people to to hear the word of God and to grow in grace. and, And what can we do to be a blessing? Why is loving one another so important? Because the church, the body of believers, ought to be a place where they can run to to know that they are loved and accepted when the world shows us such hatred. Sad when people come to the church and they find that they're hated in the church. Folks, in the world, we're going to be hated. And many times people are going through great battles in the workplace and, and mocked in the things of God in the world, and we understand that it happens out there. But when they come to the house of God, it ought to be a place where we set aside all of our, our frustrations and stuff like that and, 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 and realize, hey, we're to love one another in the body of Christ. Why is love, as I said, Jesus told his disciples that that they would be hated, and he told them why. Notice back there in John chapter 15 and verse number 18. John chapter 15 and verse number 18. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. The Lord Jesus wanted his followers to know that the hatred of the world for them really started with him. Folks, when your light shines through your life of the Lord Jesus Christ, the world hates you because of your identification with Jesus Christ. The reason the world hates Christians today is because of Jesus. You've heard people say, well, you know, the greatest threat of America is right-wing Christians. (laughs) Folks, can I tell you something? They call us right-wing because we stand for the truth. And because we're Christians, we identify with Jesus Christ. And the reason that they hate Christians is because they hate Jesus Christ. It's bottom line. Jesus, the one who loves mankind like none other. The one who was willing to demonstrate his love in dying for them. Romans 5.8. Commen- God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. He demonstrated his love for us. Jesus, the one who brought reconciliation between God and man, the one who cares for mankind and where he will spend eternity. Jesus, the one who was hated like none other. John 15, 25, you're there in John 15. Look at verse 25. Jesus says this. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled, that is written in the law. They hated me without a cause. They hated Jesus without a cause. He always went about doing good. He spoke words like like no other spoke. He spoke with words of authority. He spoke the truth. They hated him without a cause. Why does the world hate Jesus so? Because the prince of this world, Satan, Hates Look at Revelation chapter 12. Book of Revelation chapter 12. Last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 12 begin with verse 1. In Revelation chapter 12 we find a battle that's raging in this portion of scripture. It's a battle between Satan and it deals with the nation of Israel. It says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried travail in birth and pain to be delivered. This is talking about Israel, the nation of Israel. Twelve crowns, twelve tribes of Israel. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his head. We well, say, Well, who is this great red dragon? He's going to explain here in a moment. And his tail. Uh, through the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon uh, stood before the woman, before the nation of Israel, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up into, unto God, unto his throne. Well, that's a picture of Jesus. He's going to rule the nations with a rod of iron. Look at verse number 9. It tells you who the great dragon was. And that great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out on the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. I submit to you, the devil hates Jesus. Hates Jesus. Jesus said, well, the world hates you because it, you're identified with me. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He's the one who energizes the thinking of this world, according to Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3. That is why we are not to love the world. Satan energizes the thinking. This world, the direction this world's going, if you sit and listen to the world and what the world says is right and you, you, you adopt that, May I share with you? You're going a different direction than what God wants you to go. In 1 John chapter 2, verse number 15, it says, "Love not the world, the thinking of this world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the pride, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, God the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but." He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Hey, the world is not going to bring you closer to Jesus. It's going to lead you farther away from Jesus. The more that you embrace the thinking and the direction of the world, the, the Bible says the love of many will wax cold. The more you think about the world, the more that you think the way that the world does, and you start saying, yeah, this is the way that we ought to go. Can I tell you something? The more your heart is going to become cold toward the things of God because Satan is the one who's energizing the thinking of this world. Satan thought that if he destroyed the Son of God, that, he would, that it would all be over and he would finally be able to be like the Most High. Hey, we're just going to kill the Son of God. Remember when Herod was try, tried to do that? He killed all the babies two years and under. Oh, But then he comes to the cross. Well, if I just kill him on the cross, that'll be it. Nope. He rose victorious once they put him to death. That wasn't the end. That wasn't the end. The Antichrist, when he comes, anti, anti, in in opposition to Christ, is going to be given power by the devil during the tribulation uh, period. And he offers another way different than that of Jesus. He's in opposition to Jesus. And the world is going to buy in to that philosophy. And and that happens after the Holy Spirit is is removed from the earth. The world is going to flock to this anti Christ. The world then hates us, those who are called by Jesus' name, because we love and adore Jesus. You love Jesus? You adore Jesus? Man, there's nobody like Jesus. We ought to talk more about Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus more and more. We ought to talk more about Jesus. He ought to be on our lips more and more. We talk to people. He he ought to be the one that kind of works his way into the, into the, uh, the conversation, just like I was sharing with you this morning. That guy was looking for opportunities to talk to people about their lost soul. We ought to talk about Jesus. I want you to see the second point that we see in this portion of Scripture in John 15, verse 19. The world loves its own. It hates the Christian who loves Jesus, but the world loves its own. Go back to John chapter 15 and verse number 19. And you know, you can picture in your mind two different teams. Those who love Jesus, one team. The other team who's on the other side is Satan, Satan and his family. And here in John chapter 15, and verse number 19, look what Jesus says. If you are of the world, he's talking to believers, he's talking to his disciples. If you're of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. If you are of the world, the world would love his own. We are adopted into God's family, the church. We saw that this morning. We, when we get saved, we're taken out of Satan's family and we're adopted into God's family, with all the rights and privileges of an adult son. When we're a little guy, like we had those girls get saved, and uh, on Wednesday night when they got saved, they have all the rights of an adult son at that little age. They can pray to the Father and He will listen. You say, well, Pastor, they're just children." Their prayers don't mean anything. I'm telling you right now, God says, I want you to know something. Their prayers are just as important as the adult prayers. Amazing. Sometimes those little children, they ask for things, and they get things a lot more than adults do. Why? Because I can handle it myself. I don't need to ask God. A little child says, Lord, I need this. Lord, would you provide it? He provides it. Folks, it's good for children to learn at an early age to come to the Heavenly Father and to ask, to ask. I'd rather ask Mom and Dad because I know Mom and Dad will provide it for me. Mom and Dad will get me the Air Jordans I need. Mom and Dad will get me this, and, and I, I really need this. Well, you know, when God said he'll supply all of our needs, not our wants. Our wants. So when they're really their needs, young people, we ought to go to God. We ought to go to God. My God shall supply all your need. Well, it's my mom and dad's responsibility to provide what... uh, Well, can I tell you something? There's somebody who's greater than your mom and dad, and that's God. We're to submit uh, under the authority of our parents, but I'm here today to tell you that there are times when mom and dad cannot provide what you need because they don't have it. But there is a God who can provide your needs. He doesn't have a problem of meeting physical or mental or spiritual needs. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. We have not because we ask not. God wants to, he says, call unto me and, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Wouldn't it be great for God to show you great and mighty things which you know not? Man, I'd like that. Well, he's telling you, call, ask so I can show you how great I am on your behalf. I'm working with you. I can do great things, if you'll only ask. We're adopted into God's family. When we get saved, the Lord Jesus Christ comes and gives us a new new life. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We are reconciled. See, pastor's a big term. What does that mean? Well, the word reconciled, There's the Greek word kata lalasso, and it means return to favor with, to be reconciled to one. We are reconciled back to God. We're in good favor with God again. That's what happens when we get saved. We're reconciled. At one point, we were an enemy of God. We were on the opposite side, going the opposite direction. But when we get saved, God reconciles us to God. We're on his side now. We're on his team. We're working with him. We have a new citizenship in heaven. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 20, For our conversation, our, our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. First Peter 2 verse number 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. We are in the world, but we're not to be of the world. We are different because of Christ. The world, on the other hand, loves its own. It it applauds those who live after their way of thinking those who embrace evolution the world applauds them boy i tell you i personally get tired of people trying to ram evolution down my throat i do you say well pastor you're supposed to love people i do but i hate their sin and evolution is sin well pastor global warming i i'm i'm tired of hearing that too global warming Can I tell you something? There is a God who's trying to get the attention of this old world through the climate, and people will not listen to God and turn a deaf ear and excuse it away. And we're seeing all these things build up, and they see it, but they will not look up. They will look to themselves for the answer. And, folks, can I tell you, if they did all this gas changing or this, uh, you know, the carbon, you get your sell your, your carbon, your uh, carbon, uh, uh, whatever it's called, yeah, that carbon stuff. You know, each country has so much carbon that they can they, they, they can credit. You can sell that to other countries, and if you just sell that, you're right to have to pollute so much. Then they they can, do, folks, that's stupid. That's plain out stupid. All that is, is a way of taking your money and giving it to somebody else and using that under that guise. That's all it is. It all it is. Oh, no, Pastor, let me tell you something. We're going to change the climate change. No, folks, I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to change this climate that's going on. God's going to change it. And it's going to change here pretty drastically, I think, pretty soon. I think the Bible talks about the tribulation period people with climate change are going to have some great problems during that time. But you know what? They're not going to look to God. The world's going to love its own. It's going to love the Antichrist because he's going to say, I'll take care of you. I'll, I'll get you out of this mess. The world says oh, uh, abortion is all right. Why don't people hate the reverse of some of the Roe versus Wade? Praise God. Praise God, we had a, some people on the Supreme Court that looked at that and said, you know what? They overstepped their bounds, and they were wrong. It's too bad 60 million babies were slaughtered. That blood is going to be required of America. It's going to be. has to be. God says it's going to be. Old Testament scriptures over and over again. To legalize drugs. People say, oh, you know, Pastor, it's it's okay. We ought to legalize drugs. We're going to pro- provide the, the crack, crack pipes for the, the people that are on crack so that they can be able to do it. Just go down there, and, and we'll provide that for you. Excuse me? Where is your brain? We have lost common sense. Now we've got fentanyl coming over the border like it's just a flood. And the drug dealers in Mexico are just pumping that stuff through and it's going to affect our children and our schools and, and, and people in, the, in, the, in, the, in our nation because it's accessible. The world loves its own. Boy, aren't they applauding that. You know what, what bothers me is the fact I was listening the other day. They've got some of these people that are coming across the border and, and you know those people are still people for whom Jesus died. Those immigrants. I, I'm not in agreement with having open borders like that. I think if they want to come in they ought to come in legally. Their laws are established for how they can do that. But them coming in, I was listening to one of the gentlemen there and he was talking about there on the borders and they were talking about how that all these people were coming in and they were just dumped. They had just dumped 50 people in their, in the street down in it was down in Texas, brother. And they were just talking about they have no place to sleep, they have no food, the heat down there. Folks, that's that's horrible. That's horrible. But we have created that problem because we've applauded not keeping the law. And our president is not keeping the law. He was put into power to uphold the law. Folks, I'm, I'm here today to tell you that the world loves its own. Illegalized drugs. It's all right to riot and burn people's places if you're upset. That's what the world says. And if you go to jail, we'll bail you out. Can I tell you something? The world loves its own, but it's wrong. You are your own God. That's what the world says. So you can dictate what's right and what's, what's not right. It's called humanism. Folks, that's not what's right. That's why the, why the world, he prays. You remember Michael Jackson? Man, a, a guy who was really messed up taking a little child and holding him out of, a, out of I think it was a second-story window, dangling him over the second-story window. That guy had all sorts of problems. Folks, the world was applauding him. Oprah Opa, Winfrey and all of her New Age stuff. Oh, man, she's so wonderful. I mean, she's got all this money and all this wealth. You know what? She needs to get saved, just like Michael Jackson needed to get saved. But I tell you what, for Michael Jackson, it's too late. It's too late. The world applauds its own. It claps and tells how great they are. As a Christian, we ought not to want to be numbered with that crowd. See, the pastor, look at all the the popularity and what they can do. Folks, this life is so short. All the money in the world, all the popularity in the world will not give you joy and peace. But Jesus will. The world's father is Satan. Jesus said in John 8, 44, speaking to the Pharisees who were lost, he said, you are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He's a murder from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he's a liar and the father of it. The world being led by Satan. You know, as we conclude here tonight, the Lord has chosen us to be different, to be different than the world. Look there at verse number 19 of John chapter 15. The world, the Lord has chosen us to be different. Look what he says. If you're of the world, the world would love his own. But, contrast, because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. The Lord has chosen us out of the world. That word chosen, it's the word ek. Lagomai. And it means, ek means out of, legeo, or legeo means to say or to speak, to call. The church is called ek lasia. Ek, out of. Kaleo means to call. We have been a called out assembly. Called out of what? Called out of the world. We're called out. We're to be a different. The world needs to see there's a difference because we're saved. Today, what happens? Churches. They don't want to be known as a church, an ecclesia, a called out assembly. Hey, let's just take the name church off because that's offensive to the world. Folks, can I tell you something? God calls us a church and we ought to be called out. God's called us, as we said, to holiness, to walk in righteousness, a different way of the world. And what the world has done is it's flooded into the church and you see no difference between the church and the world. That's why I believe when the Antichrist comes, there will be a lot of churches that are going to keep on going. They're not even going to know that the true Christians have been taken home because they're just a social club. Folks, but a true church preaches the word of God, preaches salvation by faith in Jesus Christ alone, preaches the truth of holiness and righteousness and a true walk for a lost world, a light in the midst of a dark world. We are in the world, but we're to be separate from the world. We are to live according to what the Bible says. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21. Prove all things hold fast to that which is good. We're to live by what the Bible says. Well, how do I know what's the right way to live? The Bible tells us. Well, you know, there's a lot of of things. I've heard people say, well, the Bible doesn't cover everything. It covers all the principles. God's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You can learn how to live your life according to the word of God. We are to have Jesus' goals for our lives. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, I beg you. Paul says, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, H-O-L-Y, what we said this morning, pure, without sin, thinking the right thoughts, godly thoughts, not the world's thoughts, not what the world says, but what God says, that holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're to please Jesus with our lives. We're not our own, 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20. We are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. As we conclude tonight, the child of God is, is to be going a different direction than the world. Are you going a different direction than the world? Are you just kind of going with the flow? Well, it doesn't take much to go with the flow, does it? You can just kind of coast, be like the world, laugh at their jokes, do the things that they do. But the child of God is to be going a different direction than the world. We are not the majority. We are the minority. Many years ago, there was, they called it the moral majority. Folks, can I tell you something? Christians are not the moral majority. We need to realize that we're going in a direction contrary to the world. As a Christian living for Jesus, we'll be going against the flow of this world. The, wor- the whole world, the Bible tells us, lies in wickedness. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. The world's going a different direction. What's sad to me is when people say, I want to be like the world. I want to be popular like the world. I want to have what the world has. We're to be salt and light in the world. How brightly is your light shining for Jesus tonight? I pray that you would stop and look and understand Jesus wants us to let our light shine. Don't put it under a bushel. Let it shine, Brother Randy, like you're talking about. Well, we need more boldness. Anybody need more boldness? Well, I do. You know what? The devil said, hey, you don't need to talk to that person. Yes, we do. We need to talk to people. Talk to people about Jesus. Let them know that Jesus is, he's the Savior. He's the one we love. We need to let people know. Why? Because time is growing short. And we're going to be taken out of here. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Amen? But what about those loved, loved ones and friends and the co-workers and the people around us, that know not the Lord Jesus Christ. God has his wrath going to be poured out upon them. Hey, now is the time to reach him. And God's given us the message that can make the difference. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for the word of God. And thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus to die for us. I thank you for the new life that, that we have because of Jesus. Lord, may we walk as a different person, a person who loves you with all of our heart. Lord, I pray that tonight that we would decide in our heart to let our light shine for Jesus. Lord, that you'd give us boldness, that you'd give us courage to stand for you. And Lord, I pray for our lost loved ones and friends right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, do you, do you have somebody that's a family member, a friend, a loved one that doesn't know Jesus as your Savior. Do you know somebody like that today? How many know someone like that? They're not, they're not saved. Yes, yeah, so see those hands. Why not, why not pray tonight? Lord, give me the boldness. Give me the courage to talk to them about Jesus. Oh, they may not understand it at first, but you know what? They need Jesus. They need him so that we can Rejoice together in heaven for eternity. Dear Father, I pray that you give us that boldness. Lord, help us to rejoice in this new life that we have in Christ. Lord, I thank you for your goodness and mercy. And Lord, I pray tonight that we would be the type of child that's going to bring praise, honor, and glory to you. Pray for our lost loved ones, Lord. I pray that they'd be saved. Lord, we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask that you stand. Brother Scott, I'm going to have you come and sing the invitation song tonight with heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe tonight you say, Pastor, I want to come pray for my loved one right here at the cross, at the altar tonight. I want to bring their name before the throne of God, and I pray that they get saved. Maybe it might be a mom or a dad or a son or a daughter or a brother or co-worker. Who's going to pray for them if we don't? Who's going to love them if, for Christ if we don't? Maybe God's speaking to your heart about one of those individuals tonight. But Scott, God, come sing a song of invitations. <laughs>